Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Teach Me to Pray, a podcast from Eastside City Church. And I am your host, Peter Matheson, and joining me today once again is Pastor Jan. Hi, everyone. So great to be back again. As always, this podcast is a mix of teaching and interviews with people who pray. And we are nearing the end of season one. And so welcome to our penultimate or second to last episode of the season, uh, which is just a good excuse for me to use the word penultimate. Well, whether you are a new Jesus follower or are seasoned in the way of Jesus, there is something for you in this podcast. This is episode nine, Who Do We Pray For? Well, it's so easy to be self-centered, self-focused. I, I, it comes naturally to us. And for me, my default state is just to think about myself. You know, I'm thinking about my wants and my needs and what are the things that are happening in my life. And it's hard even when it comes to prayer for prayer not to just be all about me. After all, I'm bringing my cares and concerns to God. And my requests are often all centered around me, even when I'm praying for others. Uh, it's typically, I'm praying for my spouse, I'm praying for my kids. Uh, if things go well for them, then things are going to go well for me. And up to this point, even as we've been going through all these different lessons and learning about prayer, our focus could easily just be on ourselves. And so we're thinking about how God listens to me, and God wants me to call on him. God answers my prayers, etc., etc. But today, we're going to shift the focus from ourselves onto others. So I'm not just to pray for myself and for my family. I'm to pray for others. And so I want us to start with this idea of, well, what's our motivation? We looked at that at the beginning of this season. What's our motivation to pray? And I want us to come back to that idea of what's our motivation? Why do we pray for others? And, and really, the big idea of why we would pray for others is because Jesus prays for us. And when we can understand that Jesus prays for us, that the, his spirit prays for us, then that can motivate us to want to be like Jesus and to pray like Jesus prays and to pray for others. And so in Romans chapter 8, in verse 34, it says, Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Jesus prays for us. He pleads on our behalf. In Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. And so Jesus is making intercession for us. He's pleading for us. He's praying for us. And the Bible tells us that God's Holy Spirit prays for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, it says, But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. God is praying for us interceding on our behalf, pleading for us. And we follow his example. We're motivated by his prayers, his help. And so we also pray. We intercede and we plead for others. Yeah, I think when you think about that, what an incredible example of Jesus, that Jesus gives us of laying his life down for others. Because praying is... It's work. You mm -hmm. travail when you pray. You yes. know, uh, sometimes it involves tears. It's, sometimes it involves great emotion. It, it takes up your time, you know, a lot of energy. And so, you know, Jesus shows us that he's willing to do this for all of us, even now. 
you know, and, and we are to be his disciples. We are to be his followers. We are to follow in the example he gives us. And so to lay down your life for someone else is, is something, you know, when you pray, that's what you're doing. You're, you're giving up your own focus on your own life, like you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. You're giving up that sort of, you know, your time that you would have normally spent on yourself or pondering your own life or just praying for your own blessings. And you're now doing that for someone else or on behalf of someone else. And it's laying your life down for them in a sense. Absolutely. And there's a, a rich biblical history of examples that we can look at of people praying and interceding for others. And so I want to go through just a, a big list of biblical examples uh, from the Old Testament that we can look at of people praying for others. So uh, it, we can look at the example of Abraham, who asked God to not destroy Sodom in order to save his nephew Lot. He was interceding. He's talking to God. He's praying on Lot's behalf. Uh, and Abraham also interceded for Abimelech. And he was fulfilling a prophetic function and bringing healing in his intercession. And Moses intervened between God and Pharaoh as he tried to get permission for the people to leave Egypt. And we can see that in Exodus, like Exodus chapter 8, verse 8 tells us about that. And at Sinai, the people asked Moses to represent them before God since they feared to approach the awesome God. And so he was their representative. He was interceding on their behalf. He's talking to God for the people. And we can see the parallels to us praying for others, talking to God on the behalf of others. Uh, After the people built the golden calf, Moses prayed for God's mercy. He called on God to remember God's reputation among the nations and his promises to the patriarchs. And as a result of that, God relented. Through intercessory prayer, Moses sought to make an atonement for sin, identifying himself so completely with the people that he asked to be blotted out of God's book if God would not forgive the people's sin. Wow. Talk about sacrifice, laying down your life on behalf of others. Here is Moses, and he is praying and interceding for the atonement of the people when they were wrong. And even himself, he's putting himself out there in that way. The priests had intercession as part of their job description. And so it was the job of all the priests to intercede as part of what they did. Uh, In the face of people's idolatry, Samuel asked God to forgive them. And even when he didn't agree with the people, Samuel still took their plea for a king to God. And when God rejected Saul, who was king, Samuel prayed for him in grief. And then uh, we have the example of David, who interceded all night on behalf of his newborn baby, even knowing God had decreed that the child was going to die because of David's sin. In dedicating the temple, Solomon asked God to hear the prayers of the sinful people and to forgive them. Elijah accused God of bringing tragedy upon the widow with whom I am staying by killing her son and prayed successfully that the child would live again. And Hezekiah took Sennacherib's letter to the temple and opened it before God, praying for deliverance from the Assyrians. And so here's these Old Testament examples of people praying on behalf of others, going to God and asking for God to heal them, to change situations. And sometimes God heard those prayers and did what was asked for, and other times God went ahead with what he had intended to do. But in all these cases, we see praying for other people, interceding on behalf of others. And when we look at Uh, the jobs that uh, prophets did, intercession was a part of their tasks, a part of their work. And we we looked at some of those examples with uh, people like Samuel 
Uh, and I want to look at a couple more. Here we've got Jeremiah, who responded to God's word of judgment on the nation with a plea for God to not be a stranger among those who could not save themselves. And so God had decreed, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's my word. And here is Jeremiah, who is on behalf of the people going to God and pleading with him. And when we look at the whole book of Lamentations, it's filled with prayers that are for the nation. We can look at the prophet Isaiah and how he looked ahead to a day when people from all nations could come to the temple and make intercession. And there's the prophetic hope that centered in the suffering servant who would bear the sin of all people making intercession for their transgressions. And then in the New Testament, it teaches that intercession is expected of all believers. And we're going to look at that in just a few moments. Uh, it talks about intercession for the sick, and we're going to look at that later on as well. And then Paul, in his letters, he constantly referred to his prayers for the readers. And Jesus, he set the supreme example of intercession in how he prayed for his disciples and he prayed for all who were going to be his followers. Uh, and then the Bible reveals that the Holy Spirit and Christ and Christians, all of us are to intercede for mankind. Well, all of those uh, came from the illustrated Bible dictionary talking about uh, different entries for intercession. Well, now we're going to, to move on to look at who exactly are we to pray for. So we've talked about our motivation. We've talked about how there's a, a rich examples from the Bible that we can look at of showing us that we are to do this. But now for us ourselves, who exactly are we to pray for? Right. And so the first um, people group that we're going to talk about that's mentioned in the Bible is kings or those who are in authority over us. And so 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So first of all, we're to pray for all people like you have mm -hmm. mentioned, asking that God would help them, interceding for them on their behalf, giving thanks for them, being thankful for them. Mm -hmm. But we are also to pray for kings and people in positions of authority. That would be like presidents, prime ministers, you know, leaders all over the world. Uh, those people who hold positions of power and authority. And the reason is so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. because. If God is taking care of our leaders, then we will benefit from uh, a peace from that mm -hmm. uh, those prayers with peaceful living and you know righteousness and good laws and things that are helpful for us. And mm -hmm. so it's important that we lift them up for that reason. Um, we don't want to live in war or fear or turmoil. So we need to intercede that those who hold those positions are God-fearing and, and who are just and righteous. And so we are commended to pray for them. We're also to pray for spiritual leaders, and that would be pastors or missionaries, people who are leading us spiritually in, in, our, um, in our spiritual lives. And so Second Thessalonians chapter 3 Verses 1 to 5 says this, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. So Paul was very bold to ask those that he ministered to, to pray for him. He did that a lot in his letters. He prayed that not only would 
uh, he have safety when he traveled and ministered, but that the message that he was carrying would spread and the gospel would be shared wherever he went. And that was his primary goal. Um, and that the message of Christ would be honored and Jesus would be honored. Um, and he prayed that those that he was ministering to would be rescued from evil and, and wicked things and that there would be righteousness. Uh, we're also to pray for our family. Uh, that, that falls under uh, caring for those who are in our household, that we would pray for them and lift them up in prayer. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. And so we're to care about those in our household, and included in that is to pray for them. Yeah, and we're also to pray for the church, which is our spiritual family, right? Mm -hmm. We're to care for our natural family, but also our spiritual family. And we see in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 12, that Paul writes that uh, some of the purposes behind why we have church and says God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So the church was God's idea. Mm -hmm. It was his way for people to be able to come before him. And so we're to pray for the church because we are an example. We are an example to those who are around us. Uh, we are an example to all believers, but also to unbelievers. And so, of course, we need prayers, right? That, mm -hmm. we, that we represent God's plan the way he intended it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, not that we get off track, but that we stay on course, right? Paul says, thinking of this causes him to fall to his knees in prayer. And then he wants to constantly pray for the church and for the people. Also in Ephesians chapter 3, further down in verse 16 to 19, it says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So he wanted to edify mm -hmm. the body of Christ, that the love of God would, first of all, be rooted in our lives very strongly, that even though we can't fully grasp the entire scope of the love of God, that it would still um, take root somewhat in our lives and we would see the depth and the breadth of it but that we would also demonstrate the love of Christ mm -hmm. to those around us and that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're also to pray for salvation. We're to pray for those who are not saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And so we can pray for everyone because God wants everyone to be saved. And so anyone that you know who's not saved, we can pray for them and intercede and pray that they would come to know Jesus, that they would be saved. And we're also to pray for our city. And this is what God said to his people through the prophet Jeremiah when his people were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. It's in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 to 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem, build homes and plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. 
So we are to work for the peace and the prosperity of our cities. And we are to pray to the Lord for our city and for its welfare. And when things go well for our city, things are going to go well for us. And so we're called to pray for all these different areas that we've looked at. And uh, we want to see, we're praying for those who are in authority. We're praying for spiritual authorities. We're praying for our families and then our spiritual family in the church. We're praying for those who aren't saved, and we're praying for those who live where we live. Now we're going to kind of shift and take a look at how we can pray for those who are sick, those who need healing, pray and believe for miracles to happen. Because we know that God heals. God said in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, I am the Lord who heals you. And in the Bible, uh, there's many examples that we can look at of God healing people. So we're going to go back to the Bible again and see what does the Bible say about God healing people. So in the Old Testament, uh, we can see that Miriam was healed from leprosy in Numbers chapter 12. Uh, There were people who were healed from the plague. And we can see that in 2 Samuel chapter 24. It also occurs in Numbers chapter 16, two different times that people were healed from the plague. There was a widow's son who was raised from the dead in 1 Kings chapter 17. And then there was the Shunammite woman's son who was also raised from the dead in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, Naaman was healed from leprosy in 2 Kings chapter 5. And Hezekiah's life was extended by 15 years in 2 Kings chapter 20. And we also have the story of Job, who was healed of his sore affliction in Job chapter 42. And then when we come to the New Testament, we can see so many examples of healing, especially in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so I want to read this big quote. It's from the Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, uh, and it says this, A total of 27 individual miracles of healing credited to to Jesus are to be found in the Scriptures, as well as 10 occasions recording the general healing of large numbers of people. His ministry dealt with a wide variety of human ailments, demon possession, sickness, disease, accident, and even death. In each instance, Jesus freely and frankly presented himself as an object of faith to be sincerely believed. In the face of such an impressive ministry of healing, it is truly remarkable that he should promise to his disciples, greater works than these shall you do. That's in John 14, verse 12. In ministering to physical needs, our Lord healed by a word, by a touch, and by physical anointing. He healed those near at hand and at a distance. He healed on the Sabbath. He healed both individuals and groups at large. Among the 27 instances of healing, there are seven cases in which a demon was cast out. On 11 occasions, friends brought the sufferer. On six occasions, the patient made himself made the appeal. And on three occasions, Our Lord performed the healing while at a distance. He healed eight people by touch. He healed seven by speaking a word. Three were healed in a ceremony in which he spat and touched the patient. And in one instance, he healed by effecting a gradual cure. And that's in John uh, chapter 4, verse 52, where it says, He began to amend or to get better, to heal. Yeah, and just like we had talked about earlier that Jesus lays down his life and he intercedes for us, and therefore we as followers of Christ can do the same and intercede for others. Same thing as um, Jesus demonstrated while he was here on earth, all these great miracles and all these great healings, but then he says to us, you're going to do even greater things. And right away in the book of Acts, you can read that whole book, and it is full of examples of how his followers, his disciples, his apostles carried out greater works than even what they saw Jesus do. In that they 
they did um, more than what was mentioned. And also, you know, it w- they're just humans who mm-hmm. are doing it. So mm-hmm. let's just look quickly at some examples. So in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are on their way to the temple, and they heal a man who's sitting outside of the temple who's been lame or paralyzed. And um, in Acts chapter 5, it says that uh, Peter was, uh, everywhere he went, many miracles were following him. So as he was ministering, things were happening. Uh, Even there's a a scripture that says that his shadow, as it passed over people, uh, people were getting touched as he just walked by. And so uh, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Acts chapter 6, we can read about Stephen, uh, who ministered, and it said great signs and wonders followed Stephen's ministry. Um, in Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip the evangelist, he um, led a whole revival in Samaria where people not only heard the gospel, but they were healed and delivered mm-hmm. from many things that were ailing them. In Acts chapter 9, Aeneas, uh, a man who had been paralyzed, uh, he was healed, and because of that, his whole village heard the gospel, a, mm-hmm. a village of Lydda, and there was a village also called Sharon. And so the word spread of his healing, his miraculous healing, and then two villages came to know Jesus because of it. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, it says that Peter raised uh, Tabitha from the dead. So this is a woman who was beloved by her village, who had served her village of Joppa, and uh, many people knew her. So she was quite famous, and she had passed away, and as they were preparing for her funeral, they heard that Peter was in town, and they called him over, and and he came and prayed for her, and she was set free and healed, brought back to life. And Mm -hmm. the whole town then is going to hear about it, because this was a very well-known lady. Mm -hmm. In Acts chapter 14, uh, Paul uh, touches a man who was crippled at a town called Lystra. He had been crippled from birth, and he was restored to perfect health and be able to walk. In Acts chapter 14, uh, later on in verses 19 and 20, it says that uh, uh, Paul was raised up at Lystra. So this is interesting. Paul goes to this town. He performs a miracle where a man is healed, and then it causes such a commotion that the whole town ends up stoning Paul after this thing. And he was left for dead. But it says that the believers came out, they surrounded him, and they prayed for him. And he was restored and able to go on and continue uh, witnessing and evangelizing in other towns. So quite an interesting turn of events there. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 16, uh, Paul casts out a demon from a girl who uh, had the ability to uh, fortune tell or, or to give people uh, fortunes. And so people were using her to make money. And uh, and she was kind of following Paul around and annoying him. So he cast the demon out of her. And then the people who were using her could no longer make money. So they were annoyed with him. But that's an incredible miracle. Acts chapter 19, there were uh, special kinds of miracles that happened. So this is where people were bringing their handkerchiefs and their articles of clothing and just touching Paul, and then taking those articles to those who were sick and putting them on them, and God was using that in that moment to heal and touch people and Mm -hmm. set them free. And then Acts chapter 20, there's a a young man who was listening to Paul in a room full of people. It was a whole house full of people. He was sitting in a window, and he fell asleep and then fell out of the window. And so uh, obviously that would cause a great kerfuffle. And so the people brought him back inside, and and Paul laid hands on him, and he was restored to health. Um, and then there's an island of called Melita, and Paul uh, had had gone there, and I think they were shipwrecked there, and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and while they were there, uh, God was using him, and he was touching people. People were bringing those who were sick, and actually the governor's father was quite sick, and so Paul laid hands on him, and he was immediately restored. And so what a great testimony to the governor of that uh, island that God was real and powerful and at work in them and through them. And so we see these examples of God using prayer to heal people. People are praying for others. They're laying hands on others, and they're seeing them healed. They're seeing 
these great miracles happen. And when it comes into our life or the people that we know or the people that we are praying for, uh, we want to look at how can we pray for healing for other people? How can we pray for healing for ourselves? And so I want to give you just five uh, different things to consider when it comes to praying for healing. And so the first one is that if you are praying for healing, then it starts with praying for yourself. So if you are sick or if there's something that's not right and you're praying for healing, that you can pray for yourself. You don't need to go to a prophet or a priest, but now because of Jesus and what he's done, we can go and talk to God. And we've gone into great detail about that over the course of this season so far. But you can pray for yourself. If someone comes and says, hey, would you pray for me? Uh, we also can encourage them that they can pray for themselves. And so that's the first point, is for believers to understand, hey, you can pray. You can ask God for healing. Uh, it says in James chapter 5, verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Uh, the second point would be to ask someone to pray for you. So it begins with, hey, you can pray and ask God, but also it is good for us to go and to ask others to pray for us. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so we come together, we pray with others, we ask them to pray for us. Hey, we confess our sins. Hey, this is the areas where things haven't been going right, where I've been making mistakes and wrong choices. I want to get that out there. And I'm saying, hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Point number three, ask the church elders to pray for you. James 5, verse 14 and 15 says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. And so we can go to those who are in leadership, who are in authority over us spiritually. We go to them and we say, hey, would you pray for me? Hey, would you anoint me with oil? I'm believing that God is going to heal me. I've asked for others to come and to pray for me, and now I'm coming to you and saying, would you also pray for me? And then number four is that we pray with the laying on of hands. And so we see Jesus demonstrated laying hands on those that he healed. He didn't do it all the time, but it's one of the ways that he healed people. Mark 16 verse 17 says, they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And so you ask, hey, would you lay hands on me? Would you pray for me in this way? And then number five is that there is a gift of healing, a gift of miracles that we can see in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says, the same spirit that gives great faith to another and someone else, the one spirit, gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. And so there is a gift of healing that God has graciously given to some people, and they may be able to come and to pray for us, and we may experience healing because of this gift of grace that God has given to someone. And someone else may have other gifts, like of prophecy or of great faith, and we can see all those different things that are talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so this is how we want to look at praying for healing. Hey, we can pray. We gather others to pray, those in authority over us, even if there's those who have special giftings, and we believe together for healing. We know that God heals. God does miracles. And so we are to recognize and to remember and to celebrate what God has done. We can look back in our lives and see all the ways that God has blessed us, all the good things that he has provided for us. And we want to recognize that also we have the great miracle of salvation, that Jesus died for us, that he has saved us, that he rose again, that we are going to spend eternity with him. And so we want to have that perspective of thanking God and recognizing what he's done for us. 
In Luke chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, uh, there's a crowd pressing in on Jesus. And Jesus said to them, This evil generation keeps asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God had sent him. What happens to the Son of Man will be a sign to these people that he was sent by God. And so it's important for us to not just be chasing after miracles or just wanting to see these, these great things that God can do, but to remember that God is who we're after. We're coming to God to know God. We're coming to be close to him. We're coming to him in prayer. We're not just coming to God for all the things that he can do for us. And we don't want to be like the crowd that's just saying, show us a sign, do something miraculous, prove yourself to us. Yeah, I think that's a really key thing to remember when you're approaching God in prayer. Are you, ask yourself this question, am I praying, am I seeking God's hand and what he can give me or do for me? Or am I seeking his face? Mm. Am I beholding his presence? Am I seeking him because, because he's worthy of it, because of who he is, because he's worthy of my praise, my adoration, my, my time? You know, and I just want to sit in his presence. I just want to know him. Mm-hmm. Or am I coming to him because I just want him to wave his hand and, and you know, fix something in my life or give me something that I'm looking for. You know, and it's not that, it, and it's, it's not wrong to ask God for things. It's mm-hmm. not wrong to right. ask for healing. It's not wrong to ask for provision. It's not wrong to ask for blessings, mm-hmm. but let's be careful not to make it about just what he can give me Yes, and make it first about I'm seeking you because of who you are. Because you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are worthy of all praise, all adoration. And I want to be in your presence because it it does something to me when I sit at your feet in your presence, mm-hmm. you know, and it just is, it's so wonderful. And that, that should be our primary goal mm-hmm. when we approach God. And take a look at your life and see the miracles that God has already done. Thank him for how he healed your brokenness. Thank him for how he brought you from death to life. Thank him that we have victory in Christ Jesus, that we have eternal life because of Jesus, and that there will be no sickness or death in heaven. And so even when we're facing hardship, when we're facing really difficult things, we continue to pray. We continue to believe God. We thank him that he is a God who heals. He is a God who does miracles. And so we don't grow discouraged. We aren't disappointed when we face challenges in our life and really difficult things, but that we can face those things because we know who God is and we can look and see what he has already done for us. Well, as we come to the end of this part of our episode, we want to look back at what does this mean for us? And so, of course, we know that we can pray for ourselves, but that we are also called to pray for others. And we do this because Jesus prays for us. And we're called to pray for the sick. And we believe for things that are impossible. We believe for healings. We believe for miracles because we know who God is. And so why don't we end like we always do with prayer? And Pastor Jan, would you pray for us today? Yeah, for sure. Father, we thank you that we can come before you anytime for whatever is going on in our lives. We thank you that you have made a way so that we can not only come before you and pray for ourselves, but we can also pray for others as well. We can pray for our family. We can pray for our friends. We can pray for our leaders. We can pray for those that we have not met yet, those that we maybe interact with or or come into contact with who don't know you father we can pray for the lost we can pray for all kinds of people and situations there is no limit to what we are allowed to pray for i pray that you would help us to live according to your word that we would pray for people who are in authority over us even when we don't 
care for them or we don't agree with them or we think that something is off, still we can pray for them. Still we can lift them up before you. Still we can ask that you would that you would give them wisdom and give them the ability to lead with discernment and with justice and righteousness. And Father, I pray uh, for those who are leading us spiritually, our, our pastors and our missionaries who are, who are witnessing and evangelizing throughout the world and who are also encouraging us in the truths of your word and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I pray that you would um, cover them, Father. I thank you that you give us the ability that we can also lift them up. We can also pray that you are with them, that you speak with them and lead them, God. I pray for those who are sick, and, and thank you, Lord, that you give us the ability to pray for those who are sick and to pray for those who are in need, God, and that we can have compassion and we can intercede for them and that you hear our prayers, God. Thank you, Lord, that we also can carry the burden of where we live and where we go to work uh, before you, Father. We can lift up our city. We can lift up uh, the the area where we live in, God, and where we work in before you and ask that you would have your way uh, in and amongst where we live, Father. God, we thank you that through you, nothing is impossible. And because of what you've done, nothing is impossible, God. I pray that we would approach you with great faith and that we would approach you believing that you are more than capable and willing to do miraculous things in us and through us, God. We thank you for this, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Today, I am joined by my wife, Crystal. I'm very excited that I was able to convince her to come and be a part of this podcast. Uh, Crystal and I have been married for 13 years. We have three kids together, 10, 8, and 4. Uh, and Crystal is an incredible wife and mother, and also uh, a really good tax manager and Jesus follower. And so, Crystal, thank you so much for doing this with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, uh, for those who listen to this podcast, uh, you would know that each time that I interview someone, I start with the same question, uh, which is just, what does prayer look like? in your life? And how is it that you pray? Well, prayer for me, and especially in this season of life, is really more like a running dialogue between God and myself that just is continuously happening in my head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the chat box is always open, and as the day unfolds, there's just kind of continuous things that are, you know, presented to him in prayer. Um, and then also, of course, it's always lovely to just have some focused time to just sit and calm your mind and pray. But, you know, definitely more, more of the running dialogue of continuous um, conversation at this point. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just kind of taking whatever is happening in your day and just silently just turning that into a prayer, directing that to God. Yes. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, was there a time when you started to pray or, you know, began in prayer or maybe even looking back at your life, a time where there was maybe a shift in how you prayed or, or uh, anything with that? Yeah, for sure. So when I was really young, um, my grandmother was one of my main caregivers. And she had an incredible relationship with the Lord and an incredible prayer life. And so spending time with her meant that I really got to see her praying and just even how much joy that that practice brought to her life mm -hmm. and how, you know, she was just, you know, continuously bringing things before the Lord and uh, really modeled that for me and always you know, told me like, hey, God wants to hear from you. There's nothing too big or too small that you can't bring to him like any time. And so I remember, you know, adopting that mindset even when I was young because I was with her, right, where we, mm -hmm. would, we would pray and, and 
pray about all kinds of things, right? So I think that really stuck with me and shaped my prayer journey going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, once you're you know older, things shift, right? When you're a teenager and life starts to look different and prayer changes and maturity changes prayer. But um, also, I think, you know, being involved with children's ministry over the year and mm-hmm. watching, being around kids and the way kids pray, it's just so awesome, right? Yeah. You know, it's supposed to come before the Lord like a child, right? And mm-hmm. so just watching them, the freedom and the innocence in their prayer, I think really changed how I approached prayer as well. Um, and then having kids, being a parent, I think that also really changes things where now you, you know, have other small people to bring before the Lord as well and different things to, you know, cover and talk to God about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely see that for myself as well, like looking at the different uh, big changes that happened uh, in my life, in our life, you know, going from being a, a single person to uh, dating and engaged mm-hmm. and married and uh, having this other person that mm-hmm. I want to pray for right. and pray about instead of just for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then having kids the same way. Mm-hmm. Here's this little person, these little people that mm-hmm. I want to pray for. Right. You know, I want to pray with them, but I want to pray for them. And they're mm-hmm. on my mind. I'm thinking about them. Yeah. And so, yeah, I definitely relate to that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're talking uh, today in our lesson about praying for others, how would you say that you have benefited yourself from praying for other people? Well, I think, I think it's just so important, you know, um, to pray for others because it definitely helps to turn our focus away from ourselves and to look out at, you know, those around us. And even, you know, um, it, God asks us in the Bible to pray for each other. You know, it's something that he says we should be doing. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it, it allows us to not only deviate from bringing God the laundry list of things that we need and want for our own life, but to stop and consider where people around us are at. And I think too, like praying for somebody can also lead to you, you know, taking steps to reach out and connect with that person, Mm -hmm. you know, and check in, see how they're doing and inquire about what's happening in their life and kind of build community also in connection in that way. Right. I think it's, you know, so beneficial and so necessary for, you know, multiple reasons, both for our spiritual life and then just for connection and community with those around us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes when it comes to praying for other people, we can almost, we take on uh, a burden, maybe in a, a negative sense, where we're like, oh, I, I said I would pray for that person, or right. I feel the responsibility of that. And then I'm often thinking like, oh, I got to make sure that I pray for them. Right. You know, like yeah. I got to stop in the moment and, and pray for them. And I think there is a, a good aspect of taking on one another's burdens and having people share with us about what's going on in their life. And like you're saying, that, that opens up, that deepens relationship. You know, when we have people sharing with us about what they're facing or experiencing, and then uh, to be able to, it's like a, a privilege mm-hmm. of, of knowing what's going on in someone's yes. life. Hey, yeah. they shared this with me, and now I, I want to pray for them. That's and I, right. I want to see God do these good things in their life and these things that they're asking for. Mm-hmm. And so being able to participate in that uh, is a wonderful thing that we get. Mm-hmm. It's not a negative burden right. that, oh, I'm going to blow this, or, oh, if I forget, yeah. or I, you know, don't prioritize this, then I'm holding things back. But it, it's this privilege to be able to to pray for others yeah. and to be a, a person who people want to share with and who, you know, they're, they're looking and saying, hey, would you pray for me? Exactly. It's, it's a great thing. Yeah. Well, how have you benefited from having others pray for you? Well, I would say that I am alive today because other people prayed for me. Wow. Um, when I was born a very long time ago, as you know, Peter, dinosaurs were roaming the... No, okay. Um, a long time ago, uh, I was born three months early. Um, wow. And I was three pounds when I was born. And incredibly sick. None of my 
crucial body systems were really developed yet at that point. So um, I had machines keeping me alive and, you know, lungs weren't developed or mm-hmm. um, all of the systems that you'd need to um, be stable and alive were not working properly. Um, so the doctors at that point, I went to my parents and said that they had tried everything that they had medically available to them at that time in history, which is a bit different now, but Mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. then there was only so much. And so they, um, told my mom and dad that they should prepare for my passing Mm -hmm. in funeral and that I wasn't going to make it. Um, and that if there was one last thing that they could do, if they, to my parents, if they believed in prayer, then they should pray. It, wow. would, it would need to be a miracle, right? And so my parents weren't walking with the Lord at that point in history. Um, but my, that certainly, you know, if that's the one thing that you can do is pray, then right. that changes things, right? Yeah. So, um my grandma was walking with the Lord and she was able to bring people in and kind of ask for people that she knew to pray. And so Mm. there was a whole bunch of people covering me in prayer at that point. Um, I don't think like some of them were distant people Mm -hmm. that were just asked to to pray for this baby that they didn't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so through that, um, things started to shift and I started to get stronger and mm. be able to come off of, you know, the machines and breathe on my own eventually. And um, things turned around, right? And so um, it wasn't an instant process for sure. Mm-hmm. It was months and months and kind of back and forth into the hospital and these things, right? Um, but there was even so much concern uh, with the doctors with, regards to what kind of effects I would be left with mm-hmm. from, you know, um, lack of oxygen and then high flow oxygen and effects on brain development and right. physically. And there's a list of things that, you know, could have gone terribly wrong. Right. And so, um, you know, as I got older, they kept checking and more tests and is everything okay? And is it really okay? And so, much to their delight, I came through that fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I am here because people stepped in and, and prayed for me, people that I, I didn't even, don't even know, right? So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what a, a motivating factor for you to then believe in prayer and to believe that the prayers that you can pray for someone else mm-hmm. really can make a difference. That's right. And because yeah. you've seen it in your life and you've experienced it, it's, it's part of the reason that you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's just a wonderful thing to, to have. And I, I think coming back to what we're talking about today for each of us to recognize and to see uh, the miracle that Jesus has done inside of us, mm-hmm. you know, whether that was in our physical body or, but just spiritually that he saved us and yes. having that as a motivation That's right. to turn around and to pray for others and to take that focus off of ourselves mm-hmm. and to really intercede and, and pray for people yeah. uh, that are around us. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Well, how do you pray for things that seem difficult? or impossible. I mean, as we're talking about things like healings today, mm-hmm. we're talking about miracles. Even if we look at like people that we know who seem to be uh, far from God, or maybe they're even stubbornly against God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as we're praying into these things, even as you were sharing from your own uh, life, that sometimes these things happen gradually or they happen slowly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we're praying for things and believing for things and we don't see them happen right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how in your life do you keep praying mm-hmm. and not give up when it comes to, uh, to praying for these things where you, you're not discouraged as you're continuing to pray? Mm-hmm. Well, I think definitely hearing the history of the start of my life and just um, 
you know, what God did because other people prayed. That is, you know, been ingrained in, in my mind for a long time, having heard so much about that as a child, right? Sure. But also, um, personally, I have seen God also, you know, work in, in that area in terms of you're praying for something for a long period of time. And mm. um, with my dad, uh, I had mentioned that he wasn't, didn't really know the Lord when I was born, right? Um, so my grandma had been praying for him for many years before I arrived on the scene, right? Mm-hmm. And just praying that he would come to know the Lord and um, be in a spot to accept his love and forgiveness and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy, enjoy that. And um, so she had been praying for him for so long and then, you know, um, caring about my dad. And I then prayed for so long and, you know, as did my mom. And it was, you know, it was many years of prayer, mm. like decades of prayer. Wow. Right. And um, I understand totally that, you know, you're praying for something for that long and you're looking at the situation. You're like, I don't know, like in the, in the natural eye, it doesn't really look like there's a whole lot of hope here for this sure. to, you know, to, to change or to happen. But I think God's timing is perfect and all we're asked to do is pray and mm-hmm. the rest is up to, you know, his all-knowing timing of when things are, are going to happen, you know, or what mm-hmm. he's going to do with those prayers. Um, but in the case of my dad, I did have the privilege of, as you know, Peter, and it was I was in my 30s, so so many years of prayer, but wow. um, I was able to be with my dad when he asked, hey, can you uh, answer a few questions for me? Mm. I have been looking at my Bible and I'm, you know, I want to ask you about, uh, you know, forgiveness and, you know, accepting the Lord. And Mm -hmm. I was able to be with him and pray with him and walk him through that whole conversation. And, you know, one of the greatest moments to be a part of for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the culmination of literally decades of prayer for multiple people. Right. Right. Mm hmm. Where, you know, even my grandma, she passed away mm. well before my dad accepted the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So she was obedient and prayed for him and the Lord did answer, you know. Mm-hmm. So we just, we never know. So just keep praying, right? Because, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm sure that, you know, it, it wasn't always easy to believe that that day would come. Mm-hmm. And there were probably some prayers that were you know, full of tears and that were hard. And I think it's important for us to, to recognize that sometimes prayer is hard. Sometimes it doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's even that work of prayer. Uh, maybe we're feeling down or discouraged or it yeah. seems impossible, but to, to not give up and to remember that, that God can do this. And, mm-hmm. and even like you're saying uh, with your grandmother, that idea of sometimes we may not see it in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. but to still have hope and to believe. uh, And it, it did happen. Mm -hmm. And and I think when, when those things happen, when we see those, those miracles, when we see those lives changed, uh, when we see someone healed, you know, those are, are such beautiful things to celebrate and to remember and to hold on to and to to keep going, right? It's, yeah. it's like that's not the end of of your prayer life. Where you're like, well, I checked that box, that's and right. like that's it. And yeah. no, it's there's so much more to pray for and to believe for, mm-hmm. and so many other big things to you know do the work of prayer to continue to to believe for. That's right, exactly. Well, uh, Crystal, final question for you: What is it that you love about prayer? Mm. I really love that God, he takes me as I am, you know, mm-hmm. I think to, um, you know, in life, there's just so much that happens, right? And there's so many pieces and components to all of our lives that make us who we are. And mm-hmm. I think it's just so beautiful that we can take things to God and he already knows our whole backstory. He knows yes. all of the events of our lives. 
he knows the reason why we might be concerned or anxious or worried about this one thing and need to talk to him about it. You know, we don't have to spend two hours recapping the history of events that led us to this point, right? And not only does he know all that has happened, but he knows all that will happen, right? Mm -hmm. So he has such a, you know, much greater perspective, obviously, on our lives and our situations and the things that we're praying about than we do. But just to be able to be like, okay, I can say this. I know he understands. Right. And yeah, there's just such a freedom and a, and a comfort in that, really. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the the unfiltered nature of prayer. Mm-hmm. That idea that I can pray anything, mm-hmm. say anything. Here's somebody, like you're saying, who completely understands, who mm-hmm. has all the context, who I don't have to explain anything to. Yeah. Uh, and, and what a beautiful starting point that is mm-hmm. to have to to go off into so many different ideas and topics and whatever it is that's coming to mind or or on our heart yeah or that we're you know wanting to see for other people or, or believing uh, for others that's right about mm-hmm. yeah well crystal thank you so much uh, for taking time to be with me here today and to share with us and even just that idea of pulling back the curtain and just talking about, hey, this is what uh, prayer has looked like in my life, and here's what God has done. Uh, it's so encouraging to, to hear those things. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Teach Me Too is a presentation of Eastside City Church. It is produced, recorded, and edited by Josh Pegeling, Josiah Regundan, and Paul Nguyen.